What'd you do last night? Oh, well, we, we I started up a, a challenge at the gym. Oh, God. Yeah, another one of those. My so, challenge at the gym is to actually go to the gym. Well, and the funny thing is, like, I had planned a another clean the beer fridge out party the, for, for today. And today's the kickoff of the gym challenge, which was announced after my party was announced. <laughs> uh so it's like ah damn it um but oh well so i've got the party tonight but at least it's only day one of the challenge and it'll be fine i didn't know that you had clean out the beer fridge parties i had one two years ago um because i have i have a you know like a little beer fridge for my fancy beer Uh and uh, it just it gets full and it's like okay well i can't buy any more beer because you know jen gets pissed when it starts taking over the main fridge well maybe you need a second main fridge yeah you've got you've got your you know, it's the battle fridge. That's what you call it. You know, yes. the battle bridge, battle fridge. That's what I would do. Battle fridge. Nice. You can have the auxiliary control fridge. <laughs> <laughs> Just have a fridge in every room, a full size fridge in every room. That's right. Well, I mean, you never know when one fridge is going to go down or maybe you need to do some sort of emergency, you know, house separation. Yeah. You know, you know, in case in case of Borg, right? And then you uh that way you've got, you know, fridges everywhere you need them. Or if I need to fridge anybody. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Rod Marsh style. That's right. That's right. You never know. Well, maybe that's Jen's concern. Yeah. You, know, you would like, think you would think that she'd be happy that there that there's so much beer in the fridge that there's not enough room, you know, for anything <laughs> else. You know. Fair point. I will I, remind her yeah, of that. Hey, yeah. it could be worse. You could be in there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll report back on how that goes. Yeah, let me know how that goes, Paul. Let me know how that goes. Are we ready to do this? Let's do it. Uh, Paul? Yes. Be bold. Be brave. Be courageous. Black Alert. Star Trek. Our favorite frontier. are the podcasts of Aaron and Polly, their ongoing mission to explore all things Trek, to seek out cool things and pick them apart, to boldly complain as no one's complained before. This is Paul. Welcome to Star Trek with Aaron and Polly. Uh, well, I, I already feel bold, courageous, or brave and courageous. You you seem that way. I feel all, it. All three of them. All three of them. That's huh? how. That's Simultaneously. How that's how I would characterize you. Not just because you got up and went to the gym this morning. Not just, but yeah. because I also, you know, I mean, getting up was the, the brave part. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you, I, I got up early this morning, not because I went to the gym, but because I went to the gym yesterday and I was, I'm still so freaking sore. You know, I'm, I'm going out of town next week. And so all the days that I would normally go to the gym next week, I loaded into this week 
Oh, oh, oh my god. <laughs> so you had a double gym week. Did you go like six days? Did you go eight days to the gym this week? I know well, I would be missing two gym sessions while I am in Houston next week. Uh, and so I loaded those in. So instead of being at the gym three days this week, I was at the gym five days this week. Ah, and yes. I got to tell you, I mean, I don't know how people do it. This is this is awful. <laughs> this is awful. In fact, my trainer uh, was, was had me do this one exercise that was brand new. And she's like, this one's really going to hurt you tomorrow. And, man, she wasn't wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it, woke, it got me out of bed this morning. I was like, oh, oh, oh dear Lord, what is that? <laughs> Aaron's like, no rest days. No rest days. God, it's terrible. I like it. I like it. It's good stuff, Aaron. I'm proud of you. Yeah, so as I I staggered out of the gym yesterday, I'm like, I'll see you next week. (laughs) You were bold, brave, courageous, and sore. And and stupid. (laughs) (laughs) And burpees. (laughs) Yeah, it was terrible, Paul. It was terrible. Well, speaking of brave, Aaron. Sir. Aaron gave me the keys to the car this week. I now have the password to the IOM Geek Instagram page. <clears throat> you know, it's it's not like sharing my Netflix password. Oh, Jesus. That's like the gift that keeps <laughs> that is That is the curse that keeps on giving. That's right. That's right. But, uh, yeah. 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 So, you know, if you notice a whole lot more, tr- uh, you know, content on the IOM Geek page, it's because, yeah, Paul and I are doing it together. Doing it and doing it and mm. doing it. Mm. Mm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm excited. Like it's fun. I I, I I didn't post any dick pics this week, but <laughs> plenty of good other stuff. Yeah, you have to go to the fee paying member site for that. Actually, to be fair, we did post a dick pic this week of Dick Tracy. But this isn't oh! funny with Aaron and Polly. Uh, <laughs> this is this is Star Trek with Aaron and Polly. That's true. Uh, so we'll we'll, we'll we'll stick to the Star Treks. Um, but regardless, uh, we do talk about Star Trek and other things, uh, comics, Dick Tracy, uh, and all that on our Instagram feed at IOM Geek. It's cool. It's fun. I'm enjoying it. Now you've got two people posting to it. Uh, so if you like comics, if you like toys, if you like Star Trek, if you like theme parks, it's all going to be on that IOM Geek feed. So do it. Just follow it. Even it's if all- you aren't on Instagram, just do it. That's right. It's all the things you love. Create a fake Instagram account just to follow us. <laughs> that's, that's the thing to do. Yeah, that's what I would do. Yeah. I mean, except I have a real one, yeah. which is all pictures of beer. So, <laughs> <laughs> mine's mine's cigar, scotch, and dogs. Yeah, there you go. My, mine's beer, beer, and uh, oh look, there's another picture of beer. Oh, breakfast is on one of the pictures. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so sticking, going back to getting back on track, on track. Eh. Um, so this week, you know, we, we had talked in a previous episode about our, our sadness, uh, regarding that Star Trek four, uh, seems to have, um, crapped the bed. They, they, they've shelled the, the production of Star Trek four featuring the, the Kelvin verse, um, cast for now. However, uh, the Paramount president was in an interview this week and the merger between Viacom and CBS is still kind of out there. Is it really? the mm-hmm. I, I, huh, Okay. Um, and they're still talking up that Tarantino Star Trek movie. Yeah. I, I you know, we had speculated that, uh, that, uh, Tarantino track might still be a thing. And I, I think it moves it up in higher priority given yeah. that you don't have, that they can do whatever they want to do with the cast on the Tarantino track thing. So that makes me, that makes me happy. Well, I think this guy, you know, the, so they have a, a new uh, CEO, I guess, um, over there at Paramount. And so he's he's kind of trying to 
they, they've kind of struggled a little bit in recent years. And so, you know, they're trying to to get their franchises back on track. So they, they have a couple of them. They have Transformers. Um, they've got Star Trek. Well, and the, the uh, whole Hasbro, fr- fr- the, the whole Hasbro franchise, right? Yeah. You know, they're doing the they're supposedly doing the Transformer, G.I. Joe, Micronauts, ROM. They're going to do all of that sort of combined universe of uh, Hasbro toys. Yeah. Supposedly. So, supposedly. So they're, they're definitely trying to uh, to breathe some life back into that company, which it, it needs it. Other than Mission Impossible, um, they haven't really had much in recent years, but they are trying to, again, um, so here are some other franchises. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Terminator are both under the Paramount um, banner, but you know they, they've already renewed Mission Impossible for another two movies. Bumblebee seems to have done well in theaters, and uh, you know hopefully we'll we'll get some new Star Trek in the future, Tarantino or not. Uh, you know they they've Tarantino has a new movie coming out next year, and I'd imagine right now he's looking for his next project, which may or may not be Star Trek. Even though, if I remember correctly, he he wasn't originally planning on directing it. Yeah. Well, you know, if if I were Paramount for these you know properties that they've got, uh, I would absolutely take a page from the Marvel book and get a writers' room going, a, a real writers' room. Like you know, go yeah. hire go hire guys for your Star Trek movies who have experience writing Star Trek, whether it's TV, whether it's uh, comic books or novels. Get some of those guys together and get some fresh talent in there as well. But you know that's what that's what helped make Marvel such a success in the beginning is that you had the real live comic book writers and good comic book writers. You know, you, you had uh, you know Bendis and Brubaker and uh, uh, Straczynski and all those guys yeah. in the room. You know, helping navigate those early movies. That is exactly what I would do. Yeah, and you know, unfortunately, um, they they did do away with that. I believe after before Civil War. I don't remember what movie they exactly did away with it. But you 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 can see that generally the movies since then haven't, other than Black Panther, haven't been as well reviewed as the right. ones prior to then. Yeah. So yeah. But you know, Star Trek it could be a larger universe. Uh, they're they're certainly embracing it on TV, and we have a new episode of Star Trek Discovery to talk about this week. Well, and before we hop over to that, yes. I want to talk a little bit about uh, Star Trek Four. You know, you brought up Star Trek Four, the fourth uh-huh. Kelvin universe Star Trek movie. But uh-huh. I want to talk. I want to go back to that original fourth Star Trek movie, the one with the whales, because last night, Paul, I dreamt a direct sequel to the whale uh, Star Trek film. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> and all I will say is that we had to go back once again to save more whales. It was a direct retread of Star Trek Four. I would call it Star Trek Four Point Five. And uh, so we we are there, and and again in an acquired Klingon bird of prey, and we're in the uh, the bridge, and the ship is filling up with water, and Doctor McCoy and uh, Uhura have already retreated from the bridge, and it's me, Spock, and Captain Kirk. And Captain Kirk dives. Oh, well, I'm in- glad they casted you in in in, in the sequel <laughs> so, in, in Star Trek Four Point Five. Star Trek Four Point Five. <laughs> <laughs> the search for more whales. Um, and so Kirk dives under the water to go uh, down to open up the, the, uh, the you know, cargo bay doors, right? And I am up there in the bridge as the bridge is filling up with water, arguing with Spock that there's no way he can hold his breath that long. You know that. I know that. Why are you letting him go? And I'm just having this big argument with Spock. And Spock is, you know, telling me that I'm highly illogical. And that's when I woke up. But, uh, you know, Star Trek 4.5 coming soon. 
That's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, I'm sorry that your 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 dream ended before the mouth to mouth resuscitation of <laughs> Captain Kirk. I feel like that's where that was going. That was exactly where that was going. That was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Star Trek 4.5: The Search for More Whales. The Search for More Whales. <laughs> <laughs> so, Paul. Yes. Jonathan Frakes back behind the camera. Yes, for the second episode of season two, New Eden. I got to tell you, I, I I love that he's on deck to, to direct two episodes this season. Uh-huh. There is such an energy that Jonathan Frakes brings to an episode. Uh, there is. I, I wish he brought that to all the movies he directed. I don't know that I've seen any movies he's directed other than uh, First Contact and... Uh, Insurrection. Yeah. yeah, you know, it was a bad <laughs> script. No one was going to make Insurrection a good movie. No, no. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, it wasn't uh, Nemesis, Paul. I mean, come on. <laughs> come on. But Nemesis brought us Tom Hardy. I'm going to kill you, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Picard. Anyway, uh, so New Eden premiered this week, as Aaron said, directed by Jonathan Frakes. Um, and, uh, you know, Aaron, you had wondered whether New Eden had any. Uh, connection to the uh, original series episode Eden. Right. When we first talked about it. Uh-huh. So as the resident Star Trek expert on this podcast did it? No. Oh, okay. No. Because, you know, in the uh, original series episode, it was a sort of a, a hippie uh, sort of, you know, destination. Um, and and this, was, this was something very different. Um, you know, Eden in the uh, in the original series episode was not a Type M planet. The you know, environment was toxic. Uh, the, you know, the grass the grass was made of acid. Um, you know, not the case here in uh, this episode. No. So also not uh, fifty two thousand light years away. Ah, fair, fair. Yeah. And so um, we actually that is a good point. So I thought we had seen the last. Of the um, the jumps, yeah. the spore drive, and uh, I, w- I was actually kind of hoping we'd seen the last of the spore drive. Yeah, I don't uh, like that they can just drag it out of their ass whenever they want to. Yeah, it seems too convenient, right? It, like, it oh well, I thought we were done with it, but no, we're not. Like, didn't yeah. it almost kill him last time he used it? And yeah, no, they're like, okay, well, you know, fifty thousand, just go ahead and do it. It would take one hundred and thirty years, but yeah, it, you know, we can get there in five seconds. And yeah, it, for me, I thought the um, I thought they had written the spore drive out to to fit back in with the Star Trek continuity without it being issue and an issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that that uh, that that bugged me a little bit in the in the storytelling. And you know, Stamets Stamets does a lot of great eyeball acting. I don't know if you've noticed yeah. that or not, but there's that moment where he he is eyeballing the the spore chamber, and you know, Tilly is just kind of nattering on about you know, isn't this exciting? You know, back at it, yada yada yada, and he does this great you know you know eyeballs to Tilly. While his face is still pointing at the spore chamber, I, there is, he just has a very expressive face. He really, uh, and you know, you can really feel his reluctance to go back in there. So while I object to, you know, how we just kind of pull that resource out of the air, um, I really loved feeling his struggle. And you know, you had that sense when he came. Out, you know, his his one of his objections to using the spore drive again is that the last time he was in the mycelial network, he saw uh, uh, Culver, you know, Dr. Dr. Culver, right? Yeah. And, you know, Dr. Culver, you know, the, the love of his life. And, and he, he tells Tilly, he says, you know, I'm afraid that if I go back in there and I see Culver again, I'm never coming back out. And what I love is 
they don't show you a damn thing. But I fully got when he walked out of the spore chamber after having done the jump, and the jump takes that long, right? I mean, it just it, it is just boom, they're there, and uh, he just throws her just a disgusted look and almost a sad look, and I felt like he was sad because he didn't run into Culver. I mean, yeah, I, I got that, that impression too. Even was, though they leave it ambiguous, you know, yeah, you don't I mean, know. They, they don't tell you a damn thing. But just you know, the power of Stamets of uh, uh, the uh, Anthony Rapp's performance was mm-hmm. that you knew he was he was sad, even though he was afraid to run into Culver. He was sad that he didn't. And I just I'm just like, wow, this guy is so good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, 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 well, I will say, you know, Jonathan Frakes is very good about the the close ups to faces, capturing emotion um, that, you know, and in, in cases of Stamets, that that works excellently. But there are a couple of situations where, for me, the close ups backfired a bit, okay. um, you know, not to be super critical of the episode, uh, but it, it, it caught. It caught me off guard, the close-ups on some of the more prosthetic-covered actors, like Saru and um, the Blue Lady on the bridge. Are you talking? Because you real? I'm sorry? The Blue Lady? You're talking about the one who looks a little borgy? Yeah, that okay. one. Not, um, uh, not the Detmer, but the other one. Correct. Okay. Not Detmer, but the other yeah. one. Um, because it, 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 I was surprised at how little their mouths move. And, I, and I've never noticed it before. Um, but, like, Saru's face really is restrictive or the prosthetics are really restrictive for for his mouth moving you get a lot of emotion from the eyes but i don't know like it was just something funny that i'd never noticed before but i noticed in this episode kind of like his wavy arms in the last episode i never noticed like how little his mouth actually moves um you know he moves his head a lot and i don't know it just like distracted me i'm like oh well you know maybe maybe you need to to pull the camera back on some of the prosthetic Actors. I, I did not notice that at all. But what I did notice is how much I'm enjoying Detmer this season. Yes. Uh, you know, in the previous episode, there was this wonderful scene between her and the helmsman where uh, Captain Pike is about to die, right? You know, they're, they're tumbling through the, you know, uh, dark uh, dark matter asteroid field and his, his pod's out of control and Michael Burnham's trying to catch him. And she's like, you know, we, we got you, Captain. Don't worry. We got him, right, ladies? And they both look at each other and mm-hmm. they're like, oh, yeah, 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 we got him. We got him. And it was just a terrific comic timing uh, yeah. directed by Alex Kurtzman in the, first, in, the, in the season premiere. And in this episode, Detmer has this great moment where, you know, they're going to have to do this, uh, you know, starship donut inside the, you know, planet's radioactive rings in order to you know push the dark matter asteroid out to pull the radiation uh, that's tumbling towards the planet away, and you know they're like, well, can, can, can you know Saru asks her, you know, can you do it? And she's like, I've had my pilot's license since I was twelve. I cracked up. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and the the writers really have a feel for her. And one of the things I hated about the bridge crew last season. Is that we didn't get enough of them, and you're yeah. tagging on to what you said last week. Um, you know, Captain Pike makes them go around the room and introduce themselves. Um, I, I really feel like we're getting to know the crew. I mean, here we are, two episodes in, and I feel like I already know the crew better than I knew them at all in season one. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. You know, they 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 have personalities, right? They're not just responding, doing, no emotion. Yeah. They're they're actually um, interacting and and contributing to the episode and having their own individual moments. Their own uh, personalities, their own characters, uh, their own humor. 
I mean, that's what I that's what I'm digging about it is that you know Detmer last season was so dark you know and mm-hmm. and justifiably so you know she was she was horribly scarred in what went down at uh, what are we calling that the battle of uh, whatever it was uh, in the mm-hmm. first season you know yeah. the, the you know where where uh, the Klingons just you know beat the shit out of uh, Giorgio and and the Shenzu. Yeah, she was horror, and you know that's a direct result of the shit that Michael Burnham pulled. So yeah, she's going to be bitter about that, and she, she, you know, we get to see even though her arc seemed very flat, we did see her come out of that uh, as the crew like started to embrace, uh, you know, Burnham and and uh, uh, Ash Tyler. Um, so this season, it's just great to see her out of her shell and to see her being upbeat and smiling. I, I'm just really getting a kick out of that. And and you know they also uh, bring um, Lieutenant o- Owasukun Owasukun um, down to the planet, and you know she gets her moments as well. Which again, it, it's I appreciate that they have these these moments with the bridge crew more so than they've had in uh, than they had in season one. Which kind of you know brings me to my main feeling about this episode, which I'm gonna go uh, I'm gonna say overall like it was okay. It wasn't the best thing ever. It had some great moments, um, but it felt like Star Trek. Yeah, no. I, in fact, I would say of everything we've watched in Discovery, this was the most Star Trek. You know, with the the uh, the the com- combining of religions with you know the faith question, uh, science versus faith, respecting you know uh, the the belief systems. The challenge of the Prime Directive. I mean, I, it, this felt very Star Trek. In fact, I would I would push this episode to anybody who's like, oh, Discovery isn't Star Trek. I would push this episode at them. Yeah, but and and it's fair, right? Discovery wasn't Star Trek, but it is now. It, it's certainly the, the between the last episode and I will say, as much as I enjoyed the last episode, and I enjoyed the last episode more than this one. This one felt one hundred percent Star Trek. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, Paul, you know, we're talking about, you know, the direction on the show. And I don't know if they if they tried to veil this, but is it just me or did you know that from the jump, uh, Officer May was not a real human being? Uh, Officer May was the officer who, who appears to Tilly in the sickbed. Oh, yeah, I knew that immediately. I mean, from the jump, I knew that she was not... I mean, I was like, well, um, number one, we've never seen her before. Number two, no yeah. one's re- no one's reacting to her in the sick bay. She uh, she has just appeared at random, <laughs> you know. Um, and so I, I I really wonder. I would love to hear you know Frakes' commentary on that. Is if they tried to make that seem normal? Because I mean, from there wasn't a moment that I was not aware that she was not actually there. Yeah, right. That she was not actually a member of the crew. Yeah, at no point did she feel. I mean, she popped up out of nowhere. Yeah, I, I, I definitely got the impression she was just not there. Yeah. Now, as to what she is, right. I don't know. Yeah. Like I'm on IMDb, um, hashtag spoilers. Uh, it is her Claire Cute Q U T E is her last name. Um, is listed as Teen May hologram. Oh wait, that may be the actual uh, child. Not the uh, adult actress. Yeah, okay, that's the actual child. So um, the the adult is actually just listed as May. Yeah, uh, she is Bahia Watson. Bahia Watson. So do not know. 
um, what what she is. If she's you know uh, in Tilly's head, is she some type of uh, you know something from you know we we they had mentioned uh, Anthony Rapp uh, Stamets had mentioned seeing um, and I'm sorry what's his uh, his husband's name again Culver Culver yeah. had mentioned seeing Culver um, when you know in the spore drive and you know saying it it felt like him right it didn't feel like right. like they were just taking form from my memory it right, felt right. like him so are we seeing some type of supernatural it, element well i think that it's got to do with the uh dark matter slapdown that occurred with tilly in the in the uh, you know uh, cargo bay right you know because she she's trying to you know harvest a piece of that dark matter asteroid for stamets so that they can build a dark matter generator to power and guide the uh mycelial drive or the spore drive um and you know when she when she gets it, it you know knocks the shit out of her. I think yeah. that's what it's got to do with. Um, I think it's the the touch of dark matter, Paul. Um, <laughs> and and so you know, but I think that that's probably connected with the Red Angel sightings that both we caught on the you know helmet cam that was retrieved from New Eden, as mm-hmm. well as the vision that uh, Michael Burnham had on the uh, you know. Uh, you know, Starfleet ship that they rescued last time around. Yeah. So, I mean, I do think all of these things are connected, Paul. They're all connected. I think so also. <laughs> I, I was disappointed, you know, that while we didn't, at the end of last episode, the end of the first episode, uh, you know, they kind of said, you know, coming up on season two of Discovery, and we got all these different scenes, and of course Spock featured heavily. I was a little disappointed we didn't get to see Spock this episode. Yeah, I mean, we heard him, though, I'm, yeah. but although we did hear him in the last episode. I'm getting the impression that we aren't going to see Spock for a while, any, for a while, yeah. because the next episode um, that they uh, they showcased or whatever, uh, you know, previewed at the end of this episode uh, seemed more focused on Klingons. Did you, um, you know. in, in the preview that you saw, was there dialogue or was it just music? Because mine was just music. Um, I think there was dialogue. There was – I could see where, like, Michael Burnham's mouth is moving, right? Mm, yeah. But it's just music. No, there was definitely dialogue. Okay, so it was something goofy with my prime then. Because yeah. I was like, that's weird that they don't have dialogue on that. <laughs> yeah. So next week's episode, Point of Light, comes out January 31st. Uh, obviously features the return of the Klingons. We – you know, they, they definitely show in the commercial – the new look of the Klingons and uh, and that kind of thing. And then in episode four, in two weeks, we get number one, our first appearance of oh, Rebecca Romaine in I, the role of number one. I can't wait. Number one, I kind of I kind of love Rebecca Romaine. Um, yeah. And I, I love that character, number one. I mean, I know we only ever saw her in the cage or in the the uh, two part, you know, TOS episode, the menagerie. Mm-hmm. But. I, there is something about that character that I've always really admired. And I think Rebecca Romaine, uh, or as we used to call her Rebecca Romaine Stamus. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, she, uh, I, I think she, she, she brings some of that, um, uh, starkness that, um, Majel Barrett had. Uh, yeah. I would agree. Before she was Majel Barrett Roddenberry. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, uh, see, you know, like, all three names, I, it, it's, it, it's all connected, Paul. It's a conspiracy. <laughs> Um, well, and also next week from IDW Publishing, written by Peter David, art by J.K. Woodward. We actually talked about this on our Funny Books podcast, Star Trek 2020. Uh, so for IDW's 
Publishing's 20th anniversary celebration. They're taking all of their licensed properties, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, My Little Pony, Ghostbusters, Gem, and Star Trek The Next Generation, and they're doing tales set either 20 years in the future or 20 years in the past. And the comic coming out next week is set 20 years in the past before Jean-Luc Picard took command of the USS Enterprise D when he sat in the captain's chair of the USS Stargazer. And so this is a tale um, of Jean-Luc Picard on the USS Stargazer, uh, available on January 30th uh, for $4.99 from IDW Publishing. I'll be picking that up. I've always enjoyed Peter David's handling of Star Trek, both in novels and comics. His his run at DC Comics with uh, the original series crew, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the they did movie-era Trek, uh, was phenomenal and and really storied. I mean, he, he wrote for a really long while on that title. Um, and I can remember, you know, many great arcs in in that setting. It was great stuff. I mean, Peter David's really got a, got a strong sense for Trek. Yeah, I agree. I mean, not quite as good as Scott Lobdell with the Star Trek X-Men crossover, but you know, still pretty (laughs) solid. (laughs) Oh, Paul, I'm going to need your agonizer. All right. Well, you know, uh, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Star Trek with Aaron and Polly. And if you've got a comment for us, uh, please give us a call at 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. Also, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, hit us up on Instagram at IOMGeek, Facebook IOMGeek, or Instagram or, or Instagram again. No, or Twitter um, at Ideology Madness. Paul, I have found you both brave and courageous, but not necessarily bold. I'm going to need you to work on that. I'll do my best. I, I will be bold next week. Okay. All right. Looking forward to it. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Star Trek with Aaron and Polly is a production of IOMGeek.com. Have a question or comment? Hailing frequencies are open at 972-763-5903. Tribble wrangling provided by Triskelion Trays. No troublesome tribbles. Mr. Aponte's wardrobe provided courtesy of Garrick's Clothiers, conveniently located on the promenade. 